Welcome to the Bringing the Human Back to Human Resources podcast, the podcast all about the delicate balance between people and business, and quite literally, reconnecting the two. My name is Tracy Rubin, and I've spent nearly my entire professional career in HR. Join me as I share stories, opinions, and words of advice with you each week. Hey everyone, welcome back. Thanks for being here. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Right before we get into this episode, I will just mention that this is podcast only. So if you were thinking of watching on YouTube or you're on YouTube right now and you don't see my face in real time, it's because I just couldn't. You know that feeling when you just can't get in front of the camera? That was me today. So just podcast only for this week. And again, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you think someone will enjoy this episode or maybe would enjoy this podcast, you should also share it with them. I would love that. This week, I want to talk about cancel culture. And I want to talk about it because actually recently, if you keep up with the news at all, uh, Google's head of diversity strategy recently was exposed for having a blog that posted very anti-Semitic things. And I think there were also some uh, homophobic statements made as well. So this person definitely, um, I would say, approaches the world with a bit of a narrow mind. And so for a diversity strategist, that's a little complicated, right? But one of the thoughts that I had was, well, you know, yeah, he made anti-Semitic remarks, but is firing a person the way to go? Is firing a person the way that we solve these problems? And I thought about it because actually in this world that we live in, in the modern day, we've seen many people, quote unquote, canceled for things they've said in the past, for things they've said presently or in the in recent contexts, let's say. And I question whether that's really the right approach. So let's take a business example. If someone like this person from Google is exposed for, you know, having said things that are inflammatory, is termination the right move? If someone is a celebrity, is quote-unquote canceling them the right move? I mean, we're talking about human beings, right? So can you really cancel a human being? I don't think we should. As a as a Jewish woman, we've talked about this, right? I mentioned this a few episodes ago. It's hurtful to read things that are inflammatory, that incite hate, that spread misinformation. But if there's anything that I know to be true, it's that education can really open our eyes. It can open the minds of anyone willing to listen, to learn, to hear, to grow. So I believe that actually the best way that we as a society can continue to learn and grow is to rather than cancel human beings, right? Because like you can cancel a series, you can cancel a subscription, but why should we cancel human beings? All it does is write people off instead of actually dedicating the time and patience and effort to helping them grow and live with a more open mind. And so yeah, I, I just wonder like, is there a more productive way of going about life? And I think the answer is yes. And actually, I hosted a series of polls on my Instagram last week and over the weekend that I would like to review because actually it seems like the majority of us, at least based on the sample size in my polls, would agree with that. That yes, there's a more productive way to deal with insensitive comments, um, 
people who maybe have made inflammatory remarks. There's a different way of dealing with those things potentially. So I'm going to go through the poll questions and I'm going to offer some messages and and tips that people have sent me through the polls and outside of the polls as it relates to cancel culture. For example, first question, how do you feel about cancel culture? 85% of people who answered said that they feel cancel culture is bad and there's no room for error. When I asked the same population, are you afraid of making mistakes in the workplace because of cancel culture? The majority, 56% of people said yes. And you know what? I tend to agree. It's scary, right? Because you don't know if you say something that is perceived the wrong way, will you get in trouble? And actually, I think this is where uh, inclusivity and psychological safety, all of that comes in, right? But that doesn't mean that we don't lose the fear of making a mistake or lose the fear of getting in trouble for asking a question that, that might be perceived as insensitive or close-minded or whatever that might be. But actually, it's through questions and conversations that we learn the most, right? So in order for us to make fewer mistakes, we have to be more open with each other. We have to have more conversations. When I asked the same group of people who've been polled if they believe cancel culture and performative activism are related, 80% of people said yes. And I asked this question because we've seen companies really take a stance on these things, right? Companies, for the most part, didn't speak about anti-Semitism or spoke about anti-Semitism through other groups, which really shouldn't happen, right? Because if we're talking about hate for one group, we should just talk about hate for that group. But it made me think about, well, it's a good thing if companies don't talk about it just to talk about it. I think it's better for a company to stand up for something or against something because they actually believe it or because they actually mean what they say rather than just standing up to stand up. And so when we think of this performative activism, which is not just company-based, I think there's there's a lot of calling out of people who are potentially um, performing their activism or picking and choosing who they stand up for. And so when we think of cancel culture related to that, my my thinking in this 80% is that people believe that because of this fear of being canceled, there's this activism or performative activism. And I certainly don't want to assume that way because I think that companies and organizations have done a really nice job of standing up against hate for marginalized groups overall. Um, but this is an interesting metric to me because, I mean, that's, a, that, that's the vast majority of people saying that, yeah, cancel culture and performative activism are related. And it begs the question of whether people are authentic in their activism. When asked, should companies take a stance on social issues, 85% of people said yes. And then I specifically asked, well, has your company or organization taken a stance on racial or social issues? And, or have they addressed these issues? 66% of people said yes. So of the 85% who said yes, companies should, only 66% have seen their companies or organizations take a stance. So it seems like there's a margin there of people who would really appreciate if their companies and organizations did stand up um, to address these social issues. And so I asked, if you said yes, do you believe that your company or organization is doing a good job? 
And it's interesting because 46% of people said no. So let's go over that again. 85% of people polled said, yes, I think companies and organizations should address social issues. 66% said that their company or organization addresses social issues today. And yet 46% of those people who said, yes, my company addresses these issues, said that the company is not doing such a great job. So I was curious about that answer because even though it's not the majority, that's still a huge percentage of people who say, hey, yeah, my, my organization is not doing such a great job in addressing these issues. So I asked a follow-up question like, hey, if you said that your company is not doing a great job, what could they be doing better? And one of the messages that I got said, proactively include different groups and causes, not just when employees push for it. So that's really interesting because I got a few messages like that where it said, I wish my company just addressed issues without us having to ask them to address issues. And I think that's tough because companies are definitely looking for their employee demand on certain things. And I think social issues are social issues when we, when we say, hey, this is an issue and we need to do something about it. And so I think it could be a little hard for decision makers in a company to say, oh, this is an issue that we need to stand for because then you actually have to, this comes down to the DE&I, you have to make sure that you have a diverse group of people who are, who take issue in multiple things and, and represent multiple backgrounds because otherwise this is where I imagine certain groups could get lost if there isn't employee demand for standing up against the issues. I also think the the court of public opinion can be pretty tough and these these issues are not easy to talk about. Like I think about why companies didn't talk about the anti-Semitism across the world and I think it's because of the politicizing of Jewish lives and this I, I feel very strongly about. It's, it's, it's a personal uh, issue for me, of course, but I think that's probably why. And like I said, I'd rather a company not say anything than say something that loops in other groups or you know, says, creates a more inflammatory response. I think it's better to really think about what, are we, what do we really believe in, what do we stand for. And it's unfortunate if hate on all fronts is not called out. But I do think it's good to practice good judgment and really think about what your message says, how you're going to say it, because just saying anything doesn't work. You have to really say something that you believe in and that you're proud of. But I, I get that, that there's this desire for the company to know what to say and to say the right thing at the right time and with urgency. And there are organizations for sure that do a really good job. Um, just like this 54% of people said, hey, yeah, my company is doing a really good job of addressing these social issues. But we know that with anything that's based on communication, it's always a huge process. I'm sure there's a lot of red tape, and especially the bigger the organization, the more red tape there probably is. Um, but you know, this just shows that there's probably some room for improvement. So then I wanted to figure out, okay, well, who of my audience on Instagram that is part of this sample size, who is in a decision-making role? So it turns out 53% of people polled are decision-makers in their organization. And I asked this because I wanted to understand, have these people, has anyone in a decision-making role terminated an individual for 
expressing themselves in on social issues in a controversial way. And so 30% of people said yes. And I'm part of that 30%. I didn't take the poll, of course, but um, I have in my in my career terminated individuals for their controversial commentary. And when I think back on these experiences personally, I think about, well, gosh, what did that do? Other than save face for the organization, because of course terminations often come out of a risk assessment like is it risky to keep this person employed? Is it risky to terminate them? Which is the more beneficial route for the company? That's ultimately the decision-making factor, right? What is going to mitigate the risk for the company from a legal perspective? And in most cases, it's terminating the employee because potentially they've created a hostile work environment or there's been a formal complaint and the employee the reporting party is potentially looking for a certain kind of action from the company. But I've been thinking about this. Like, is that productive? This is cancel culture, right? When we terminate someone for their commentary, I'm not talking about physical violence or um, harassment. I'm talking about making a comment that's controversial or making a comment that makes people upset because feeling upset is different from being harassed, right? It's different from being targeted. And I think as an HR professional, I think it would benefit the world if we looked at these things differently. But I think one of the problems is that as long as there's threat of litigation from employees, I don't know that it'll be possible. Let's take a hypothetical situation and I will use employee A and employee B. So let's say employee A makes a formal complaint against employee B because employee B says something that feels racially inflammatory. Maybe they say something like, all Jews are rich, which is not true. It's a stigma, it's misinformation, and it's inflammatory. And I use this example because I'm Jewish and I don't want to offend anyone else, so I'm just going to use my own population. So Employee A makes a complaint. Employee B is at risk of being terminated because there is clearly uh, unprofessionalism there. It's inappropriate and it could make the other person feel uncomfortable. Is the right approach to terminate employee B? I don't think so, but we probably would. So this begs the question of what could we do differently? And so I offered some kind of like this or that questions on what could we be doing differently instead of terminating someone. And so some of the ideas were education, training, employee resource groups or ERGs, apology, like a written apology from the employee, demotion or a write-up. Now, obviously, in all cases, write-ups are not made public. So if we're thinking about how we can rectify the issue with the complaining party, the party that's saying, hey, something needs to be done about this. This is not okay. A write-up is probably probably an additive, right? So we'd probably take one stance and then write the employee up for unprofessionalism. Employee resource groups, they have become super popular because they help fight burnout. They give employees something outside of work to be proud of. And certainly I could see this helping. Like when we think back to this Google experience um, or situation, 
actually there's an employee resource group for the the Jewish employees at Google. And so some of the suggestions are like this head of diversity who has since been demoted, not terminated, has since been demoted, um, that he should be going through education, um, outside of work, like a coursework. Some of the messages that I received is that people who make comments that are inflammatory should be taking college courses on the subject matter that they are close-minded to so that they can expand their understanding and their knowledge. And so that's something that actually I think Google should really do for this head of diversity. I think they should actually send him to take classes on Jewish history and Holocaust education because clearly based on some of the statements that he made, he doesn't have a lot of information. These these thoughts on what could we do instead of terminating, I think are really good ones. Education and training were huge. And then again, the ERGs. Um, you know, when I think it comes to demotion, it's certainly, it's something, right? It's a public display. But one of the things that I think demoting does is brush away the problem and move, actually it moves the issue around. It moves the problem around instead of addressing it head on. And certainly employee B in the situation that I gave as a hypothetical or in this situation with Google, maybe it, it they got a write-up too, right? Maybe employee B would get a write-up. Maybe this head of diversity strategy will be written up as well. I don't think that's enough, right? If we if we want to really get rid of this idea of cancel culture and just terminating for mistakes, terminating for, you know, errors in judgment, then we're not going to really send that person out into the world with any growth or knowledge. And while it's certainly not the company's responsibility to do that, it definitely makes the world a better place. And so I think that there's a, there's a real opportunity here for sensitivity training, for, for um, specific assignments on understanding and learning about the group, again, that the person has potentially offended um, or spoken out in a way that that is um, ignorant or narrow-minded. But it begs the question then again of like, who manages that? Who makes sure that it's done? Whose responsibility is it to make sure that this person is now being trained on things that the company doesn't inherently manage? And so I think that could be a little tough. But in an ideal world, I think an employee would not just be moved around or just written up, but actually that they have an opportunity to change and learn and grow. And it seems like the majority of those polled and those who answered my poll questions agree on that point. So I asked a couple final questions here. And one of the questions that I thought was really interesting was, do workplaces invite differing opinions on social issues? And 62% of people said no. And to me, that's so disappointing, right? Because this is inherently the problem, I think, that we are not feeling psychologically safe to have difficult conversations, to talk about social issues and how they impact us. And I, I've definitely seen that. I've definitely felt that firsthand um, as someone who brought up anti-Semitism in her workplace. And, you know, I think I think it'll be interesting to see how this movement toward social awareness and companies and organizations getting involved. I think it'll be interesting to see how this evolves because DE&I 
is only as good as the company is about being inclusive in the conversation and being open to the conversation from all of its employees. And actually, I think that's where employee resource groups can really support and drive that change, especially for the 62% of people here in this polling group that feel a little um, disincentivized to offer their opinion. And I think this kind of comes back to the being afraid of making mistakes. If we all just always agree with each other, we're never going to grow. We're never going to see progress. And I think that this is all related to how we handle these difficult conversations on social issues. I mean, really, they shouldn't be difficult conversations, right? We should all be able to say, hey, we stand up against hate and we stand up against hate against this group and this group and this group and this group. But I think where some of the challenge has now come in is that we've taken a stance on one group and then taken a stance on another group and then another group. But if a group that's experiencing hate in the current context is not then spoken about, then actually it does look performative, right? It does look inauthentic. It looks like then that person from that group that hasn't been mentioned isn't welcome to offer their feelings, to offer their insights. And while that might not necessarily be true in reality, and it could just be a reflection of the company's understanding of what's going on, again, kind of coming back to this feedback that employees potentially don't want to have to push for the communication, but might have to, I I think this is where we potentially can see the breakdown across the board, that there's fear and there's politicizing and there's concern and there's uh, worry about making mistakes and and feeling like there's potentially not a lot of inclusivity on differing opinions. I mean, this feels like a huge messy bubble that needs to burst so that employees can really have candid conversations with each other and with their decision makers. And then finally, coming back to this accountability conversation, should people be held accountable for their past mistakes? 71% no, but when asked about current mistakes or insensitive remarks, 79% said yes. So this to me is the one, probably the perfect metric for why we should cancel cancel culture because the vast majority said no, we shouldn't hold people accountable for their past, but we should hold people accountable today. And I totally agree with that. I mean, When we think about accountability, I specifically asked about termination. Um, And so when we think about, again, this Google example, I totally agree. We shouldn't, I don't want to see, as a Jewish person, I don't want to see someone terminated for what they've said. Even though they were super hurtful comments, very inflammatory, I want that person to receive education. I want that person to take classes and to become a, a person of growth and someone who has taken away new learnings and looks at the world with an open mind and looks at Jews with a different lens because it's dangerous to have a closed-minded approach in the world, in society. And so I totally agree. We shouldn't terminate someone for the past. We shouldn't terminate someone. Like I think of, of celebrities who have been written off, who've lost their their um, sources of income on the majority because of things that happened in their past in a different social climate. Because I do think context matters, even if 
comments are inflammatory. I think context matters, especially if someone lacks education or if someone's a comedian and everyone's being poked fun at. I mean, it doesn't make it right that there was something inflammatory said, but it certainly gives an opportunity for learning and growth rather than just cutting off their sources of income and throwing them out into the world with no purpose. I think that's just as dangerous. And so, yeah, I I think current remarks, current mistakes, all of those things, yes, I can see accountability happening, but I also think accountability doesn't necessarily need to be a termination. But again, this comes down to whether employees decide whether or not they are going to sue their employers for things that could offer a learning moment for that other person. Like I know, for example, if someone said something inflammatory against Jews in my workplace, I wouldn't want them terminated. I would want that person who made the inflammatory remarks to be given an opportunity to learn, to listen, to grow, to be educated. That's what I'd like to see. But I think it's going to require everyone in situations where they've been made to feel potentially a little uncomfortable or offended to be able to look past what they want and look at what is potentially best for the the person who they are uncomfortable with or offended by and the world. I mean, we spend more time at work than we do at home. Even if home right now is still remote and the office, we still spend the majority of our time working. And we need to really own that that is our societal experience. That is our experience as human beings on this planet is that we are potentially defined by the work that we do. And I think that we need to do a better job of preparing people for quote unquote the real world so they're not just being terminated for mistakes and thrown out into the world ready to make the same mistakes. And sure, people learn things from being terminated, but they potentially then hate that group even more. And I just don't think it's productive. So I agree with the majority of the uh, polls and the answers that were submitted here. I do think that this situation with Google could start a movement. Like if Google says we're going to have this person educated because that's why we didn't terminate him, that's a wonderful thing. And I think every company should follow suit. Opinions are opinions, but we can offer context. We can offer understanding and education and learning in order to help that person form better, clearer opinions that are based on facts that are based on information that isn't inflammatory or misguided. So I do think as an HR professional, I want to challenge the status quo as always, but I do think that there's a lot of opportunity here. Companies have the opportunity to change the way society works. So instead of canceling human beings, we can educate them, we can help them learn and grow and hopefully make the world a little bit of a better place every single day instead of just writing people off because that's never so great. I hope that you enjoyed all of those statistics. I really enjoy doing the polls on my Instagram. So I highly encourage you to follow me on Instagram if you don't already. Thank you all so much if you are listening and you did participate in the poll. I hope that it's helpful to hear some of my insights. I don't know how long canceling human beings can go on because at some point, at some level, everyone is going to make a mistake and we can't just cancel everybody. So unless we had to cancel everybody in order to get to this place of having candid discourse, 
I think we should just start it now. So if you're a decision maker, if you're an HR person, I hope that you think a little bit differently about how you drive accountability with your population and maybe you inspire others to think differently too. So with that, I will leave you and I will see you next week. Thank you so much for being here and I hope to see you again soon. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow me on Instagram. I'm HRTracy, T-R-A-C-I, and I will see you soon. Bye. Thank you.